totally fine with putting an E on this episode. If you if you can, I think there's a very fun joke in here. Interesting challenge. Can, can can I get through this entire thing without dropping an F bomb? Uh, let me just say we did talk about before this episode whether or not we're going to allow swearing on the podcast. And I said with Eric coming on. We should decide pretty quickly. We're going to get through this whole thing. It's, it's going to be like a game. We need like a button. For the record, it's fully allowed. This is a challenge for Eric. <laughs> yes, Correct. it yeah. is a challenge for me. <laughs> that is a kind of like, is it just kind of lame when I don't drop one? Yeah. yeah. That wasn't Eric. That was some AI-generated Eric voice <laughs> right. he used. There's no way that he did not do this entire <laughs> yeah. thing without that. Right. So today we have Eric. I'm here. Woo-hoo. We have his two truths and a lie. So, Derek, do you want to start off reading these and then we'll guess which one is the lie? Yes. He gave titles for each of these. Number one is the Hugh Grant Bathroom Buddy Cover-Up. A drunken Hugh and drunken Eric covered for each other to use a women's restroom in Santa Monica restaurant while another patron would not exit the men's room. Can I just say before I read this, I'm looking at the sheet now. These are the most impressive two truths and a lie I think I've ever seen. These all involve celebrity meetings and not just meeting, but this like... Is, it's, it's the two truths and a lie celebrity edition. Yeah, right, but, yeah, but right. it all yes. involves like you having some interaction with yes. them, not just like seeing them. Yes. Right. So the second one is the Serena Williams Hotel Knockdown. And it says, while shooting a print campaign uh, at the Trump Hotel... I was backing out of my room with props. I backed into Serena, whose door was caddy corner to mine. He, uh, you got hit and hit the floor like a pile of bricks. She laughed and helped you up. <laughs> That's funny. These are awesome. <laughs> and number three is the David Schwimmer Hard Rock Cheapskate. While, at, while enjoying a night out at the Hard Rock Cafe in the Vegas Strip, we were at a table adjacent to David Schwimmer and his buddies playing poker. They racked up a $10,000-plus bar bill and left a $5 tip. Woo. Oh, man. Yep. There's some David Schwimmer fans out there who do not want that story to be true. (laughs) God, these... These are all awesome stories. I actually think that you have had these celebrity interactions, and the one story on here that doesn't really involve you interacting with them is the David Schwimmer one. I'm a Friends fan, and I'm also, I don't want it to be true either that he only left a $5 tip. So I'm going to guess that is the lie. I'm going to go with Serena being the lie. Jesse's correct. Uh-huh. So he took a sad Schwimmer story <laughs> and added himself to it. <laughs> yep, for the lie. Uh, Serena Williams was hilarious. I was backing out of my room. I know everybody can't see me right now, but armful of props, and it was actually probably two dozen women's shoes. And I was backing out, and I bumped into her, and... She's very tall and very muscular, and I just went down and dropped everything, and she greatly apologized to me and reached out her hand and picked me up like I was nothing. We laughed about it, and I picked up the shoes, and that was it. (laughs) So, And then, yeah, Hugh Grant, um, we were in a restaurant in Santa Monica, and I had to go to the bathroom. I go down the hallway to get there, and there's this guy standing in front of the men's room, and he's just standing there, and I get in line behind him, and we're just standing there, a couple minutes goes by, and he finally turns around and looks at me, and he's basically like, I've been here forever, I've got an idea, nobody's in the women's room, I'm gonna go, and you're gonna cover me, and then I'm gonna come out, and I'll cover you. Like, that's a, we're drunk, and it's like, that's a great idea, because I really gotta go, and after he goes in, and kind of hits me, like, wait a minute, I think that's Ukraine. I was gonna say it. You didn't know it was him right away. Right. Yeah. It was just a like because it's like what it kind of looks like him, but it's like wait what? And then he comes out and it was like oh yeah that's definitely Hugh Grant. And I thought I'm going into the bathroom and I not 
because it was Hugh Grant, but just because he was so drunk that it's like when I come out of the women's room, there's no way he's going to be here. Right. He was there. Wow. He covered me. All right. And uh, yeah, that was it. So turns out to be a nice guy. Yeah, that's Serena right. too. I mean, she Serena. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she was great. Well, we can talk about your celebrity interactions all day, and I kind of wish that that was just we, the we, focus of why this. Why not? But we do want to talk a little bit about what you do here at Marcus Thomas and what your day to day is like. Do you want to give the listeners just a sure. snapshot of what that is? I am a creative director, and. I like to make things up for a living. There's another word in there, but we're going to attempt to avoid Mikey having to hit a beep out button at some point. Um, No, so I am a creative director and I help to come up with high level ideas, help to come up with high level strategy uh, and then help creative teams see their ideas or ideas that we come up with together and bring those to life. And they can range from TV spots to social campaigns to out-of-home campaigns, anything. You know, it could be a T-shirt. doesn't matter what it is. You know, just great ideas. That's it. That's my job. It's like helping to really develop and foster those ideas and bring them to life for the brands that we work on. And I think a big part of that is also being passionate about the brands you do work on and really knowing them and knowing the client base and the consumer base that goes along with those. Right now, I'm in the middle of putting together a briefing and my planner and I are nerding out on, you know, some numbers and facts that we're finding that lead to these great nuggets that hopefully the team will think are great nuggets to be able to come up with some great work from. So the passion that you put into what you do, it's just astounding to me. You know, just looking at your calendar and seeing that you're triple booked all day, every day, mm. and you still have the energy to put into these things that you come up with. I don't understand how you do what you do. So there's days you have where you get up in the morning and you're in the shower and I'm crying because it's like, oh my God, I suck. And I'm never going to come up with another good idea again. And I'm just, it's the tank's empty and I'm done. And then 30 seconds later, an idea pops into your head and you're like, this is the best day ever. And it completely turns around. And I think it's the ideas and the spark that those can give really is invigorating. And now being a little bit older and and more of a senior level creative, seeing that spark come when another team has an idea or a, a junior has something pop into their head, that makes me excited. And helping them to foster and bring those things to life, it's just great. You're at a point in your career now where you're overseeing so many different projects and bringing other people up. But when you first started, I'm guessing there was a specific portion of creative that you were interested in. Was that copywriting? Was it so design? That's, or- that's, that's a very good question, Jesse DeFranco. That's why they pay me the big bucks. That's, there you go. I started at an agency in Buffalo, New York, and I started off as a designer, graphic design, and I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't really understand the true difference between advertising or marketing or design. And I had a creative director who sat me down and basically said, listen, you're a talented guy. You need to figure out what you want to do. And he showed me a one-show annual. And I had never even heard of a one-show annual. I think it was like 22 years old or something like that. And I flipped it open, and it was a print ad for Dunlop Tires. And all it was was just a white psych with a old Porsche on it with an old man behind the wheel with a cigarette dangling out of his mouth and a Dunlop logo in the corner. That was it. That's all the ad was. I'm like, okay, well, what's so special about this? Why is this in this book? And then when you really looked at it and you realized, oh, that's James Dean if he were 80 and survived because he had Dunlop tires on his car. (laughs) Somebody reached inside the back of my head and flipped a switch, and it was like, that's it. This is what I want to do. 
ideas, ideas that make you laugh or ideas that make you cry or ideas that make you excited about something. There's a, there's drama to that. And I think, you know, in storytelling, and those are things that we as marketers need to weave into the work we do to help make that human connection. So starting off design and then really kind of pushed myself in the direction to help come up with ideas. And design and layout are obviously a hugely important part yes. of everything you do. But what I find really interesting, cool, exciting is so much of the stuff that I've seen you do here is it's it's marketing not as an ad, it's marketing as an experience. There's more to it than just I'm responding to a billboard or I'm responding to a print ad. I am interacting with this thing in some way beyond just the visual. You know, there's something to be said when you see something, you know, whether it's a TV spot or a print ad or a billboard that's very clever and it makes you laugh or, you know, it leaves you with a little something. It's a lot different when you can create something that is an experience and that truly gets people to engage, right? That's really kind of elevating the experience for the brand and the consumer, you know, or people, like, I hate the term consumer, people. It, it just, it elevates that. So for a certain client, you know, we've really done a very good job at turning things into games for them. And whether it's live shows on Facebook, whether there's surprise and delights that happen on social media, whether it's interacting with a TV spot that you can actually win something from right from that spot instantly, you know, that's a, th- those are cool things, and they're very cool challenges to try to solve and think through. You know, it's you're solving a problem for a client, and it's not just, you know, consumption of an ad for people, but it's getting people to actually engage and participate with the brand a little bit more. And then the challenge comes into, well, what is that going to be, and what is the tone going to be, and, you know, how then how do we, we get an idea, and how are we going to bring this to life? Um, we had an idea a couple years ago that literally took us 18 months to figure out how to pull off. Um, and it we just finished it, and uh, it was was a pretty cool experience. What is the coming up with an idea process? Is it always random oh, for you? Is it a ritual? <laughs> is there any there's, kind of ritual you go through to, to help get those juices flowing, or what is that kind of like? Sometimes there's coffee shops. Sometimes they're staring at the ceiling for an hour. Sometimes there's pacing around. I go for walks a lot. It was actually, I had an old creative director in Vegas who used to do that. He had his yellow legal pad tablet and his pencil. And it's, you know, it's Vegas. It's like 110 degrees. And he'd be like, I'm going to go for a walk and think. Like, what are you doing, dude? And he'd come back this sweaty, atrocious mess. But he'd like have like six pages. And in there somewhere was always a nugget. So I kind of have learned over the years, it's like when you get stuck, what can you do to unstick yourself? And there's all kinds of little tricks that I think are unique to each individual. Going for a walk is one. Listening to music. And I do a weird thing with music, which I figured out. I will find like a song that I'm just it's just kind of hitting and I will put that on loop and that will be on all day I thought I was crazy when I started doing this but it's actually a thing that helps your brain focus and then I look for inspiration in all kinds of other places like tv shows I I play a lot of video games and it's funny it's like my wife will be like you know are you going downstairs to play I'm like no I'm gonna go down and work and she's like what and it's like no I'll go down and play video games and next thing you know 45 minutes later I'm running upstairs because I gotta get to the laptop and jot something down because I just zoned out and it's freed my brain up from the knot and has let me like kind of peel that back and and get to the clarity of the idea what is playing the same song on loop due to your spotify end of the year <laughs> summary uh i <laughs> have apple, apple music, music guy, it's, yeah. and it's 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 a little odd yeah <laughs> so um your calendar is full you're double booked all the time you're overseeing so many projects do you ever just miss 
being a designer and only having to worry about that and nothing else? Or do you like all the responsibilities you have now? I, as stressful as things might be, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I think I'm at a point now where I can try to pick and choose a couple little things to hold on to. Case in point, uh, Jimmy Solish, one of our executive creative directors, he and I just basically took a campaign and did the whole thing. That was fun. Getting to come up with the idea and then have the arguments and the discussions back and forth with each other on the merit of it, you know, tweaking the lines, tweaking the look on the layout and the visuals a little bit, but getting to make it and actually do it, it's fun. And I like to, I do like to try to at least slip one of those type of projects in once a year, once every like 18 months or so. It keeps you sharp and I might be guilty of this of when I think back to my younger self of looking at CDs going, man, what's this guy talking about? He doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's like being able to walk the walk a little bit, right? Roll up the sleeves and get the get the hands dirty, you know? New York, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Vegas. Dallas, Arkansas. Dallas, okay. And Philadelphia. Why Cleveland? Well, to be frank, I was out of a job. <laughs> um, I was looking for work, and I had posted something on LinkedIn and Lori Hedrick had actually reached out to me. And I came in, and the first person they put me with was Jimmy Solish. And I sat down, and the joke about the F-bombs, within probably three minutes, Jimmy probably dropped about 10. And I was like, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's got to be such a great introduction to a place, too. He's, oh, he uh, is just a fantastic human an being. An amazing person. Yes, yeah. just fantastic. So I actually started uh, two weeks freelance basis. Um, as kind of a trial, and I was actually helping to pitch a certain gaming company, and I had Kevin and Fong, an old art director we had, and I made them stay till like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, and I bought dinner, and like I think they were kind of like, man, this dude, what is this dude doing? Who's the new kid? Yeah. yeah, and Fong made a comment, you know, it's like, man, you've been here for two days. It's like you've been here for two years already. And that was, I think, a very endearing comment to, you know, like to hear that. And I think it just it just kind of became a natural fit. And I think one of, that's one of the things I, I do love about Marcus. I love everybody that I work with, and I think we're all kind of aligned and truly trying to strive for the same goals, and that's to really take now, where I feel like we're kind of on the cusp of, of Marcus Thomas 2.0 and really taking us to that next level. And that's, that's very exciting, and that's very cool. Yeah, that's part of why I love doing what Jess and I are doing is we yeah. get to dig into the oh, weeds yeah. with with people that I don't normally talk to or I talk to you a lot, but that's beside the point. But, but yeah. we don't go this deep. Right, right. right. We yeah. don't go this deep. Yeah. So this is really fun. I don't know if this is the what came from the idea that we had at your desk months ago of uh, the talk show style. Like you've got that old vintage microphone. This did on your come desk. from that. This, yeah, this that, is it, when I came, when Derek and I started talking yes. about it. So I had, a, I had yeah. an old fashioned microphone that just sat on my desk and I thought it just kind of looked like an old, like talk show, cool. Johnny yeah. Carson type yeah. of thing. That was kind of neat. So Eric brought up one day, Oh, it kind of feels like a little talk show when I sit in your office and we talk a bit. Yeah. And yeah. well, for all the, the listeners at home, Jesse has been a host for me on one of my clients' um, live shows we do on social media multiple times, and he's fantastic. And, yeah, he's got this vintage mic there and the sign. And just the way he was kind of sitting and propped up and we were, the way we were talking and the tone of his voice, it was like, dude, you just need to be a talk show host in your cube. And look at me now. Look at it. Derek Here we are. <laughs> Derek brought your dream to life. <laughs> and I know you love a lot of creative stuff. You love movies. You love TV. 
We had John Booth on the show, who is a huge Star Wars fan. I ain't getting an argument with John Booth over Star Wars. Uh, Could you? These um, two geek well, out to such a degree, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. And it's yeah. different. It's different levels, though, because like I, there's I am a big lover of all things Star Wars. Like I am a Star Wars baby. I was born the same year it came out, so it has been a part of my life uh, forever. Um, but I am. I've read. You know, a multitude of books and comics and all the movies, all the TV shows, all the cartoons. Phantom Menace. What? Charger no. Banks. The big <laughs> that, that, no, Charger. Yeah, yeah. You're not even, you don't even know what you're talking about <laughs> at this point. So, yeah. You are an encyclopedia when it comes to Star Wars. And I love when, you know, you'll find a few minutes and I'll find a few minutes and we'll just talk about the latest Ahsoka episode or whatever or the most recent book you've been reading well, one of, that's one of my favorite things is Derek and I tend to we have our, our random weekly morning session for about 5-10 minutes when we're, we've got our coffee and we just like what are you reading what are you on to and uh, Derek knows this but for everybody else I tend to read a book and listen to a book simultaneously so I've always got a physical book I'm reading and I'm always listening to a book on Audible so one of my favorite things in the office is our shared love of literature and bouncing you know, hey, did you check this out? And or have you read this one? You know, what are you on now? And just kind of talking through some of those things. Two of my most favorite books that I've I've ever read came from recommendations from you. Oh. One is Jonathan Strange and Mr. Mr. Norrell. One of my favorite books of all time. Great book. And The Buried Giant another is all favorite. another one. Yeah, both came from down. you. And they're yeah. both excellent, excellent stories. One one is kind of in a fantasy genre, the the buried giant, but other than their knights and dragons, it's not a fantasy story. It's no, a deeply kind of like personal. A, it's thing. a very, it's a twist on an Arthurian legend, mm-hmm. and it has a very kind of deep human philosophical dilemma at its core. And it's one of these books where I, when I finished reading it and I put it down, and it was like I, I don't really know how to feel about this. That was years ago, and I probably still think about that book at least once a week. Yeah, it's very, very powerful. And then Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell is just, I can, I could go on and on about that forever. It's historical fiction, and it's a take on magicians and whatnot back in the early 1800s in England, and it's very entertaining. So what are you reading now? Right now, I am finishing up The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a limited illustrated edition from an illustrator who I am very fond of named Chris Riddell. And I just forgot what a wonderful, just comically goofy tale that is. And then I was in a little bit of a fantasy kick, and I haven't read them since I was a kid. So I went and got the deluxe audible versions of the Lord of the Rings series. And Anthony Circus actually narrates them. Oh, wow. And they are... It's fantastic. So Gollum says everything. I actually just got to Gollum, and it's like, oh yeah, that's Gollum. Like it's it's yeah. it's just him. Yeah, yeah. So it's amazing the amount of dimension that a well voice acted book oh, can can give. It. it transports you. I think that's one of the reasons I you know I love reading because it does it transports you and it takes you to these places. But there's also something to be said. I think with hearing somebody read the book and having that convenience of like, well, I'm at the gym or doing chores around the house to pop my earbuds in. And you have that that narrator that does such a great job, and they've got a great voice, and they can transport you just as well as your own imagination can in some ways. In some ways, I think a little bit better because it can be even feel a little bit more immersive. I know some of the Star Wars books um, that I love, 
it's like reminds me of like an old 1930s radio production or something because you've got music, there's sound effects, there's, you know, background kind of ambient noise like happening if they're in a crowd or something like that. And it just kind of builds yeah. the whole scene up a little bit more. And it's funny because all those little things I think are, you know, little details that I think about when we're get back to what we do for a living and I'm coming up with ideas and, you know, layering things like that, those details that just really help to, to plus up an experience for somebody, so... Do you have any passion projects that you're involved with outside oh. of work? Well, I, speaking of books and writing, I, I did write a book. So you did write a book? I did write wow. a book. Wow, okay. Two people have read that book. It was my first, first time ever doing anything like that. Um, it is a complete story. It is meant to be a much larger intro to a much larger world. It's been a couple years since I've looked at it. It is probably, in hindsight, a rambling, incoherent mess that has some very fun kernels and tidbits in there. Um, I keep a, a journal of ideas, and I've got right now three or four ideas for books that I would love to kind of dive into. And the time I have for that, like I love my, my time for that is like going to Starbucks at like 6.30 in the morning, getting a cup of coffee and watching the world kind of come to life. And if I'm not having to think about ideas or strategy for a work project, that's what I like to do. And whether something ever comes to that, you know, great. If something doesn't come from that, I don't really care because it's something that I enjoy and I, I have fun doing that. My other passion at home is just, it's 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 geeky. It's just video games. I love video games. With technology and the advancement, it's an interactive storytelling. That's what I like about games, right? It's stories. Most of the ones I like to play now, it's like you get to be inserted into Game of Thrones or Star Wars or, you know, some other really kind of cool universe that somebody has created and you get to be a part of that, you know, in a way. And it's it's escapism, right? At the end of the day, it's the same as it's like reading a book, but a little bit more interactive like type of way. At it, They've so. gotten so insane with this. I mean, I just finished watching The Last of Us and was reading, I mean, I knew it was a video game, but I didn't know how closely it actually followed oh, the game. I never played that game, I mean, but yeah. it is like tied like frame by frame yes, almost. But I just game. couldn't believe that that story for as intricate as it is started with a video yeah. game and that it basically is still that story carried over to a TV yeah. show. That's that's. It's insane. wild. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you, though, because you, you just made it very clear. You love it here. You love the people. Um, but you're such a creative person, and you have so many interests. If you weren't a creative director, what would you be doing? Oh, man. I've gotten asked this question so many times. First of all, I will say this. I had a, a, an ex-girlfriend at one point in my life, but she put a spin on it. She was like, it can't be anything creative. Oh. And it was like, when do you want me to be like a banker or something and she starts laughing because it's like can you picture me in a suit in a bank or something like that every day like i wear like gray t-shirts every day I'm not afraid to wear shorts at the office not, i wear yeah. shorts at the office as much as i can and i've got about 20 different pairs of brightly colored sneakers that i love um taking that out of the equation there's two two things i wanted to do when i was a kid in school and one was either direct and the other thing was I wanted to draw comic books for a living. Hmm. I, when I was a kid, I actually won a bunch of national contests for comic book illustration. Um, and then I went to art school. And then I quickly realized I suck and I'm going to starve. And I don't want to starve. So 
I, I took an advertising class and it was like, ooh, it lets me do a lot of the things I like, storytelling, and I can still scribble to, you know, and draw to get ideas across and whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, if I were to pick one thing, man, I it is a tough question. In an ideal world, it would be a director or a screenwriter. I think, uh, you know, writing um, for either TV or, or movies. The dead end on I'm, you know, my brain is totally fried and I'm never going to think of anything remotely funny, clever, Again, I'll, I love Apple. I'll just go to work at the Apple store. That's my joke kind of around the office. That it's like when I'm done, I'm throwing in the towel and I'm like, I'm just going to the Genius Bar. I'll see you guys when you want to come and buy an iPhone. <laughs> so I don't think I'll ever see you working at the Apple store. No, probably, I don't think that probably, that hopefully not, but yeah. you never know. <laughs> well, we've kept you for a little over an hour here. So Mikey's got his keep going. So we chained him to the table. So I'm happy to keep really talking too. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> this was fun, guys. Yeah. So grateful that you could carve out an hour for us today we know you're busy and we really do appreciate you making time well you guys are great hosts so. <laughs> thanks a lot eric appreciate thanks, your time. Thank you, eric. all right off. <laughs> today's show was hosted by jesse defranco and me derek oyan it was recorded and mixed by the man to my right mikey nichols our theme was composed and recorded by david beamer thanks david ask a better question is produced in and by marcus thomas The opinions on this show are not those of Marcus Thomas. You can take that up with Jesse and me.